What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I was 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapino's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Creeping forward, he pulls up 18 footer. Aaron Fox puts the Kings on top. Takes one stage twice, gives the belly 35 foot three for the win. Ivania, Bielitsa. It's really deserved this win, man. When we're done, we can go chop it up, eat, golf, whatever you want to do. For 40 48 minutes, I ain't about them games. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunes. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we usually do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. The eternal sunlight of Sam Buscemi has shined upon me, and I am now in the mock draft that we so frequently reference, and it feels good. Yeah, man. I mean, to get the article hyperlinked in the Buscemi mock draft, like you say. The, and at 12, he has Sacramento taking Precious Achua, your favorite guy. Yeah, I have ruined all future mock drafts, <laughs> apparently, for the Kings. It's uh, it's pretty hilarious. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he... <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, he makes the point that – so I mean, I guess we could talk a little bit about what's been going on with the Kings. Um, I don't know. This may have been a throwaway line. I, I latched on to it because I felt, you know, personally offended on some level that Luke Walton continues to refer to Marvin Bagley as positionless. Um, I didn't even include this in the article, but I probably should have, that he called him – um, you know, comparable to Giannis and can play one through five. I mean, mm. what's going on? Oh, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I guess I get talking him up, you know, and like maybe Bagley likes to hear that from his coach. Like I, I get talking him up, but hopefully that doesn't mean uh, you're misutilizing him when really he should be a role man. Like I – I, it's ridiculous, but I somewhat see what he means with the Giannis thing yeah, in regards. I say, you, yeah, I was gonna say you have compared him to. You were the first person I heard compare Bagley. 
Yeah, well, what it is is just this ridiculous length of a guy that you think could take it down the floor himself. Obviously, Bagley's never going to have the defense of Giannis or the playmaking of Giannis, but you just see these length and extremely athletic and agile for being that size. You like, I just see the body of Giannis and sort of that play style in a way with a lot less skills, if that makes sense. Um, but it, no. it, I mean, no, nah, like it, it's no, it's still a ridiculous comp. Don't get me wrong. What um, makes you think he can like bring it up the floor though? Well, it's like just, what, what about Bagley's game has ever like shown that he can handle the ball and pass the ball and facilitate? No, I don't think he can facilitate. But I'm saying like he's gonna bring it up the floor and he's gonna take it himself. Don't get me wrong, but no, 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 he can't do that, man. I don't know what you're talking about. I I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like in summer league, perhaps, but he can't like. He can't, like, wind through a defense and, and just, like, maybe, you know, in a broken down transition play. But generally speaking, like, he's not going to, to like, drive through a defense. I don't think he yeah. has the handles and the, the the I don't know, the on-ball skills for that. Yeah, I'm definitely only thinking transition. And, like I said, I'm mainly saying, like, these body types in a way where there's just these extremely tall, long guys that are pretty agile for being that size. Well, Sam agrees with me. Yes. Not you, so. <laughs> totally fair. Uh, yeah, so uh, Walton called him positionless again. That was what the article was about. Uh, I, you know, took uh, the opposite side of that, saying that he does have a position, that it is definitive, that it is – and I was, like, a little bit softer than that, than the headline suggests, saying that, like, just he's a big man. Like, call him a big man. Like, that's the appropriate moniker to give this – you call him a big – you, do you disagree with that? No, I totally think he's a. I think he's a five two. I think we both went over this. All right, fair enough. I, it, it's just it. It all started with Vlade saying you play small forward, and that was, you know, a joke. Um, and since then, it's been just. I mean, they're doing it to themselves. I mean, that's the problem. That's like the real problem here is that they're doing it to themselves. Like, this is a self-created problem, completely self-invented, and then they've got you know. If they really feel that way, which really it seems like they do, then they're probably going to want to draft a center. And so, yeah, I guess Presha Chua at 12 for the Kings in Vicini's latest mock, like that's what you get if you refuse to accept that your center is a center. Yeah, and, you know, I like Precious. I think more than you do, we've kind of been over it. But I've also said, like, Precious is a guy that's really going to matter where he gets picked and he has to be utilized properly. I don't trust Sacramento to do that at all. Um, and yeah, I, I think that, that fit, I think we kind of touched recently. Like I'd take Xavier Tillman, I'd take Jalen Smith over Precious Achua, and we're talking 12. There's plenty of guys that were on the board that I would take over Precious. I see kind of a Cini's logic here, and this is totally a Kings type of pick. Like when we were doing our mock and like you ran into New York, it's like, you know, I would have personally picked this, but this is totally a New York pick. I think it's the same type of thing for Sacramento. Um, and my one comment on, like, the positionless Bagley thing, I'll say that if he's positionless in any way, it's because he can't defend any positions on defense. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, and, like, if you're going to be a wing, like, you probably should be able to defend pretty much anybody, honestly. But you, you've got to be able to defend somebody. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm uh, uh, pretty bent out of shape about it. 
Um, but awesome to be included in this mock. And then, yeah, a nightmare pick for the Kings, but, like, absolutely on point as far as something that they – yeah, definitely, and, and two guys that we're going to get into today in a little bit of a different role. These are two point guards. We're looking at Tyrell Terry from Stanford and Trey Jones from Duke. Is there anything else you want to kind of get into before we start diving into these guys? No, let, let's get into them. Um, I would say, you know, one thing that I mentioned uh, in the last podcast, uh, last episode, is just that I don't think there's many players at all that like are totally out of the Kings conversation because there are not that many players kind of stuck in the late first, like that couldn't either move up to the late lottery or move down into the early second where the Kings have picks on both sides there. I might be wrong about that with these guys. I, I think like if anybody is safe and secure, like around pick 20, it might be one or both of these guys. Hmm. Okay. I would say Tyrell Terry. I'm more questionable on Jones, interestingly. I think I ended last episode saying I know which – I feel like I know which one of us is going to be into which, uh, each one of these guys. And i got to say I'm not as big on Trey Jones as I thought I was going to be. Um, Tyrell Terry, I have a dream for where he goes. And I'll, I'll get to that at some point. But just to kind of lay out the basics for – uh, we'll start with Terry here first. I think we're going to go through both of these guys kind of side by side here. But for Tyro Terry, I have 6'2", 160 pounds. I don't see a wingspan listed for him. Um, did you find that anywhere? I saw kind of pretty much just saying that he had a basic wingspan from the looks of it, but I didn't see it listed anywhere. Yeah, I didn't see it anywhere. I've I've looked high and low. There is just no wingspan on this dude, and it's that's kind of – I mean, that's bizarre – to a degree, I also think it probably doesn't – it's probably not a positive indicator. If he had a special wingspan of any kind, it would definitely be out there. Um, I've also seen him listed as short as six foot nothing without shoes. Um, and I've seen pretty close to that with Trey Jones. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, these this is our this is our, our smallest episode. This is a, probably two smallest guys that we'll do total. Hmm. Yeah, and interestingly, yeah, like you said, for Trey Jones, I saw, like, down to six feet flat. Um, I also saw up to the 6'2 with a 6'3 wingspan. Uh, Tyrell Terry's 160 pounds. Trey Jones is 185. And uh, where do you want to start kind of comparing these guys, man? Yeah, so let's continue to talk about them physically, I guess. Um, Yeah, if there is a height or wingspan differential – it is modest. I think Trey is a significantly better athlete. Um, certainly the stronger player, probably 20 to 25 pounds of muscle over Tyrell Terry here. And I think just in general, a better athlete, I would say he's probably, you know, the speed and, and quickness is comparable, but the strength and leaping, and even the first step, I would give advantage to to Trey Jones here. Yeah, I would say the same here. Um, and it's worth noting Trey Jones did play one more year in college, so he's going to be 20 years old while Tyrell Terry is 19. Um, but, yeah, I would agree. I don't think either one of these guys, even though I would give the edge to Jones, neither one of these guys are going to be, like, exceptional athletes at the next level. Um probably on the other end where I think they're going to both be underwhelming. Uh, Tyrell Terry specifically 
And, um, yeah, I think that neither one of them have a great la- – uh, yeah, I, I mean, if we move to – I don't know, are you okay with going with the shot first? It's kind of the main thing for one of these guys and really a weakness for the other, though. Yeah, obviously this is Tyrell Terry's calling card. Um, it, you know, you hear things thrown around about um, – you know, staff, you hear uh, Trey Young comps, but um, I mean, it, it's really, really good. I don't know if, I don't know how like out of control we want to get, but he is, you know, a borderline elite shooter. I think, I think you could say elite shooter. How, how elite are, is this shot to you? So I think he can be the shooter of those guys. The issue is that, I mean, obviously there's a bunch of issues in the comp, but like for Trey, he's not the playmaker that Trey is. And for Steph, he's not the, he can't create. He can't create space for himself. Like all of his creation comes from screens. So I think as a pure shooter, he could be near the level of these guys, but there's other things that are obviously not going to make him that level of player. Um, I do think that he did a really good job shooting both off the catch and off the dribble. He does a good job running around screens and getting himself open. My dream landing spot for Tyro Terry, uh, I just can't hold this one back. I think he'd be amazing in Milwaukee as as a guard there at, like, 16. I think they have Indiana's first. I am in love with that playing off ball with Giannis. That's interesting. I was sure you going to say the Celtics just because, you know, no. for, for no, Celtics no. reasons. Um, do you say 16? Are they, they, they're not, are they that low? Man, that's a, that's starting to look like a good pick if it's that low. It is, I'm sorry, it's not 16, it's 19. But, you know, it's still right around that range. Very much in the realm of possibilities, uh, for Terry. I will, I just looked up the, the, the three point comparison. So, like, just looking at what Terry did and then trying to compare it to, to Curry and, and Trey. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see here. Um, Terry, 4.9 threes a game, hit 40.8%. Steph Curry took 9.9 threes per game, 38.7%. Trey took 10.3 threes a game, hit the 6%. So, um, yeah, so I mean, his conversion is higher, Terry, but his volume is about half of either of those guys. Yeah, which is definitely notable. I mean, the volume is a huge deal there. And like I said, I don't think that he's a usage uh, beast the same way that those two guys are. I don't think he's an engine of an offense. And part of that is because I don't love his playmaking. I I think it's decent. I think that it's a lot better than the um, 3.2 assists he averaged at Stanford. I think that he got a good amount of hockey assists, and there were – you know, like I said, he just ran a pick and roll a lot. That's a way that he was able to get space and create the shots. He has a great gravity to him that was forcing teams to hedge against him a lot, and he does a really good job of hitting the roll man in a nice pocket pass when he does get to the rim. Um, he finishes well there in the first place, 61.5% at the rim, and he also has some nice drop-off passes and things like that. So I do like him as like potentially a secondary playmaker. I kind of view both of these guys as – like a a guy that will run the bench unit. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. There's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, BetOnline. 
Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back? BetOnline has futures odds including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I will say in Vicini's mock, he actually does have Terry going to the Celtics, so part of you will be happy to know that. But outside of that, um, he definitely lauds Terry for his passing. Um, I definitely did not watch this dude's like AAU resume, um, but according to Vicini here, um, his tape with uh, in high school and on the Adidas circuit was really good um, as far as passing. So, again, like, I've only seen a limited amount of what he did in college, but apparently he can be uh, – have some upside there. I would tend to buy into that. I don't think, like, you know, like you said, I, I, it's probably not a, a Trey Young level. But um, I think there's some upside to it to the, to the point where he could be a starting point guard if the shot – you know, the shot – we know the shot is real, is the real deal. Um, and if the playmaking becomes relatively real deal, not elite, but starter level, um, I mean, I think he could be potentially the engine of an offense. And I will say, to flip it over to the other mock we reference a lot with the ringer, Kevin O'Connor has him eighth on his big board because he definitely buys into that passing enough to think that he could be, you know, it, you know, Trey Young light. Yeah, it's interesting. I know O'Connor's really high on him. I think that Tyrell Terry does have a really high upside. Like, I think this is real potential to be steal of the draft. Um, I also think there's a lot of ways that he becomes a really good player. Like, rather than Trey Young Light, I kind of like like a CJ McCollum comp. Um, but to get to the the playmaking of the other guy we're going with, Trey Jones here, I think the difference that while I like Trey Jones is feel and um, IQ of the game better than Tyrell Terry's and he does a decent job getting to the rim I think that not having that shooting gravity is just going to make Trey Jones not as hmm I I think I would value Terry's playmaking more than Jones because of the gravity that that Terry demands himself on the ball and Jones obviously a lot of this is because of his shot. I think that while this year he averaged 36% from three, which is promising on 108 attempts um, compared to 26% his freshman year on 103 attempts, I don't know how much I'm buying his shot. Definitely, obviously not the level of Tyrell Terry. And while I do really like the playmaking from Trey Jones, I think that not being the same level level scorer for himself is going to limit his playmaking abilities to probably less than Terry's for me. Yeah, I think that I would say I like Trey's passing and vision a little bit more than uh, Tyrell Terry. But like you mentioned, it's it, when you have less to work with, then that suddenly doesn't you know really matter as much. So you can have a, a worse passer with more space and more gravity um, have a better effect than a, a superior passer 
which is what I think Trey Jones is just, you know, not by a crazy amount, but I, I would say it's significant. Um, and then, yeah, I, it's, that's the problem with Trey. It's like, I think he's actually got a pretty good shot creation. Um, he can, he can get himself an open look, but the question is like, how much do you really want that? Maybe you don't really want that. Like maybe you don't even really want that at all. Like, uh, if if he's not a knockdown shooter, even from the mid-range, you just don't really want an offense that contains a lot of Trey Jones' creation for himself. I definitely see where you're coming from there. I think that a reasonable comp for Trey Jones is uh, a guy on the Kings, Corey Joseph. I think that, you know, there's not that much you're getting from offense, uh, from him on the offensive end. Like, he'll make... He'll do all right from deep. Some games he has an okay playmaking to him, and but really most of the value you're getting from him is on the defensive end. I agree. Um, but before we jump to defense, uh, I, I do want to just quickly talk about, because I thought this was a pretty big separation between them. Um, even though Trey's numbers were decent around the rim, uh, I, I saw a lot of uh, – questionable touch like his his touches didn't feel automatic to me and when you are the size of these guys at 6'2 you really need exceptional touch um because you're going to have a lot of shots blocked um i i didn't see enough from trey to think like i feel great about him generating uh points at the basket that I feel great about him generating a lot of free throw the trips to the free throw line um, wasn't in love with it but on Terry's side he was pretty pretty damn elite in his finishing um, over 60% in the half court when he was at the basket that's really good for a guy his size although I will also say more than half of his misses were blocked so that's a concern yeah, that, that's really good to point out. Um, I, I think the, play, the finishing difference obviously is very big between these guys. And for a guy that we already mentioned having a much better shot and probably better overall playmaking because of that gravity and Terry, I mean, also having additional finishing on top of him, I really do think Terry has a really nice offensive um, mold that he's working with here. And I think that, you know, if he added some strength to add to that finishing, which he already did a pretty good job of protecting himself and getting to the free throw line. I think he could do it more often. He had 3.5 attempts per game at Stanford, but shot 89% from the line. I think he could get to a point where he's you know, living at the free throw line. Like I just see there's so many ways to me that Terry becomes a really good offensive player. Um, I think just you know improving that playmaking a little bit more where he's able to hit uh, cross-court guys and I, there is a lot of turnovers from Terry, I'll point out, but I don't, that doesn't concern me too much with young point guards. Um, but like I said, he could become a better playmaker, or if he got a bit of a better handle and could create for himself, um, if he added some strength and was able to get kind of live at the free throw line, I think just one of those, um, let alone adding multiple of those, would be lead to Terry being a really powerful offensive player. Um, I think he could come in and almost have like a, Devontae Graham type of game to him. That's a really good one. That's a really good one considering his volume and three-point shooting percentage. He is kind of like, uh, in a way, a, a, a poor man's Trey Young. Um, 
Yeah, I think overall, huge difference in offense, uh, huge advantage to Terry. Um, whereas Jones, I just – he's not going to ever be truly 3 and D because point guards just aren't ever just 3 and D. They have the ball in their hands a lot, and he will be a solid passer and, you know, solid decision maker, but about as close to 3 and D as a point guard as you can get. Um, yeah, so so huge advantage to Terry there on offense, and then obviously, you know, the opposite for defense. I, we're gonna we'll get into it right now, but huge advantage to Trey Jones here on defense, right? Yeah. What do you think of a ceiling of like this is even kind probably like a Lou Williams for Tyrell Terry, and that also is the same thing on the defensive end where he just absolutely has to get hit in. I feel like. Yeah, maybe it is a little bit too kind, like you said. But, yeah, I mean, just, just a, a player that you think of as just all offense, essentially. Right. Uh, for Trey, Corey Joseph is a great one. It's a it's a comp that's on the ringer sport as well. And, yeah, I mean, that's that's great. Uh, I, I think that Trey is good, uh, you know, a good point of attack defender and pretty good off ball as well. He has some limitations here. You know, six three, six four wingspan max. So I, you know, you can't be that great off ball. Uh, but for what he's working with, he does a really good job of getting in lanes, and he certainly is a smart player. Um, you know, I, I think Tyrell Terry is extremely smart as well, but mostly as an offensive IQ guy. Whereas, whereas Trey is, is pretty much as smart as they come defensively, just limited tools. Yeah. So I, I think Trey could be an elite defender for just point guards, which there's a lot of debate in the value of that. Um, but I, I think that I truly think he could be an elite defender of just point guards. And, you know, maybe he can give away with some minutes at the two, but like you're saying, being six, two and, and one eighty five, like if people throw out like a Marcus smart comp, like smart is a uh, basketball reference has two twenty seven. That's an extreme weight difference from Trey Jones' 185, and that's kind of what allows the versatility for Smart that I don't see for Trey. Um, but he has a great lateral quickness to him. He studies his opponents well, from what I can tell. Um, there were games specifically against Cole Anthony. He did a great job of locking him up, staying in front of him. So what do you think of an elite defender of just point guards and how much value is there in that? There's some value. It's definitely limited. Um, I've been trying to find Corey Joseph's wingspan while you were talking there, and I see it ranging from 6'4 to 6'6. So, you know, I mean, it's not a bad comp, right? I mean, maybe just a a slightly smaller Corey Joseph. We've seen Corey Joseph do well against twos, and I, I would have some concern about that for Trey. But, I mean, in that ballpark, I think. And it's it's certainly nice to have a lockdown point guard defender, but I also honestly question how truly lockdown he can be with his size because there are going to be larger point guards. You know, we're seeing that more and more. Who's he going to guard on, you know, playing, playing Philly? Who's he going to guard playing Dallas? Like, there, there's just going to be, you know, who, could he lock up? Lonzo Ball, you know, these Killian Hayes, these six five, six six, six seven point guards, I don't know how effective he's gonna be. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And interestingly, one comp we haven't thrown out yet that I think is pretty reasonable is his brother, 
I think that he has a pretty comparable game to Tyus Jones, and that's a guy that I think that is underrated for um, people that don't watch him all that often. I mean, kind of understandable. He's on Minnesota and then moved to Memphis a little bit, but a guy that just recently, you know, a three-year, $28 million offer, kind of a bench point guard, but I think he'll be able to do that for a long time in his career. I mean, there's there's somewhat similar players here. Yeah, absolutely. And we we talk about fighting through screens as being something that we look for a lot and maybe don't see enough on the Kings. Uh, Trey Jones does that, and he kind of does it. There's an art to it with what he does, but like, I mean, and that's great. Like, if you if you can stay in front of your point guard, if you're defending point guards, that's even better. Um, maybe he can avoid being switched as much because of that. But yeah, like if any switches do occur, it's 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 trouble. So yeah, I mean, it, yeah, his, his ceiling is is low, um, just because of his size and his lack of offensive skills. Like this is of any combination of players we've done so far, this is the most dramatic ceiling versus floor pair. Yeah, in the way that. That what are you saying here? That Jones is the uh, the high the high floor guy. Tyrell Terry is the high ceiling guy. I think so. I mean, I I I think I see Tyrell Terry as having a very high floor. I'm sorry, a very high ceiling and a very low floor. And I see Jones as having a very low ceiling, but a very high floor. Interestingly, like I kind of hesitate with Terry because I think that he doesn't have. I hesitate to say a very low floor. Like I think that just that shooting and the movement shooting is enough that he could be something in the league. So, I, I don't know. I think I buy his floor a little bit more than you do, but I see where you're coming from with these two guys for sure. And what else uh, What else do you want to touch on with them before we kind of talk on potentially their fit with Sacramento? Yeah, well, I think that kind of gets to another thing that we've disagreed on or, or had a little bit of a debate on in the past is, you know, how far can shooting – alone get you and and you know there are other pieces to Tyrell Terry you know talked about the finishing and all that but in the passing but you know I, if we're talking about his floor his floor is just as a shooter um, the floor would be okay the passing turns out that it, it doesn't translate that the finishing he just isn't big enough isn't strong enough you know a buck 60 this guy is can't get to the the bucket can't get to the free throw line um, is destroyed on defense on a regular basis. Um, so the floor is just a guy that can shoot. So that's a very low floor to me. I think you're higher on what a shot alone can do. But you know, I was thinking about this as I was as I was looking at this guy. Like I'm talking ceiling floor here. I think ceiling is a Trey Young. Like if we're talking true 99% outcome, Ooh. I think his true ceiling is Trey Young, and I think his true floor is Kyle Guy. Like and I'm, that's that's a fifth overall pick versus a fifty fifth overall pick. Like that's the ceiling floor dichotomy I see here. Yeah, interesting. Um, hmm, I'm probably just a little not as extreme in either way. Like the Trey Young, I don't buy the playmaking. I like kind of like a CJ McCollum almost in a way, um, or a Lou Williams, like I said. Um, but yeah, I see where you're coming from here. Um, mainly kind of thinking about the the weight of this guy like if a lot of the appeal I would see as a floor would be movement shooting and running through screens but 
if the second a guy kind of gets in your airspace and just lets you not just freely run to your spot because you fall the second somebody touches you, I do see obviously where that's an issue, even if you are a 40% from three type of guy. Yeah, and I'm being a little bit, you know, I'm, these are a little bit of hot takes from me. So I think, you know, if I'm being more honest and being more realistic, the ceiling is is like not quite as good as Trey Young, and the floor is a little bit better than Kyle Guy. But you know, if I'm just gonna go ahead and max it out to the extremes and like really go to that like, you know, 99th to to zero percent percentile. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas obviously, like with the bell curve, it's so much more likely to end up in the middle there. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll stand by it. But those are obviously very extreme. Yeah, an interesting median that kind of popped up with Tyrell Terry for me was, and only like he got more efficient this year is like a Terry Rozier, um, where it's just a straight bench scorer. Yeah, that's interesting. I suppose. Um, yeah, I mean Terry. I think he struggled to shoot it. Uh, it's a different skill set, but in terms of value, I could see it a little bit. Yeah. Um, did, yeah. you, did you have a ceiling for Trey Jones? I struggled with this one. Yeah, I I struggled with it too. Like I think his like ceiling and his floor are like so close together. Yeah. Uh, I really, it's like his ceiling is like a slightly better Corey Joseph, and his floor is a slightly worse Corey Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> it's like really. Yeah. It's tight. It's, it's a tight uh, range of outcomes for him. Right. So, I mean, how do you feel about that? Like, Corey Joseph was a guy that we really liked for Sacramento coming over, um, and they overpaid him, I would say, but I think we were comfortable with that overpay, you know, a little bit of a Sacramento tax. How do you feel about a Trey Jones? Um, you know, I don't think he'll be there, but it's not crazy to think that he's sitting there at 35. Um, because the idea would be that you have your successor to Corey Jones, a backup point guard, defensive point guard of the future, that for, what, seven years? Yeah, for that exact reason, I feel great about Trey Jones at 35 if he does slide there. And I will say there is potential for that. Um, This team he had him going at 23. He has him 20 overall on his big board. Uh, Kevin O'Connor has him 32 on his big board. So, yeah, 32, like, you're getting you're getting right down there. I, I think that especially because of there's such a such a, a great amount of point guards in this range that depending on how it breaks and depending on how many late first teams want a point guard, uh, you know, he, he could be very much in that mix. Um, just to give a few other names that are, like, kind of around there, like totally could see someone preferring Grant Riller perhaps. Um, even guys like Peyton Pritchard and Malachi Flynn, you know, and, and Nico Mannion, if 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 the team just has that preference, it's totally possible for him to squeak down to 35th. And I would I would love Trey Jones for the Kings at 35, and specifically for the Kings. Support for the King's Pulse podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over the technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Listen, we all have a time where we have hurt ourselves or at least been terrified to hurt ourselves, I know I do, trimming below the waist. 
That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. This is a premium tool with a battery that lasts up to 90 minutes, works in the shower so you can take care of your business in there if you prefer that. Also has an extremely cool LED light attached to it that illuminates the grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that chunk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code KINGSPULSE at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KINGSPULSE. No space. KINGSPULSE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code KINGSPULSE with no space. Yeah, I mean, how would you feel? Is it safe to say if both him and Terry were there at 35, you'd prefer Terry? No, no, that's what I just said, the opposite. It, for the Kings specifically, I would much prefer Trey Jones. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, I see that. I think that if we're talking 35, I'd probably buy the upside of Terry. And, yeah, I mean, it is hard, like, obviously that fit with Fox. and. Yeah, what's the upside? Like, what's the upside with the Kings for Terry? Like, it's, right. it's not. It, it, you You – absolutely cannot play him with Fox that that would be absurd yeah so yeah I mean but there is a a wide open spot at backup point guard in the future like next year is out of the question because you've got Corey Joseph but you know like you just said he could be a great replacement Trey Jones that that is so he slides right in there becomes your uh your Tyus Jones type who was you Mm -hmm. know I think very comparable to Corey Joseph, like the guys that we were talking about over last offseason, we were targeting guys just like this. We were targeting, you know, high-end backup point guards, which is what the hope for Trey Jones is. That's a fantastic fit with the Kings. And Tyrell, Tyrell Terry, like, they're, like that just doesn't make any sense for the Kings, really. Yeah, it doesn't. You're right. And, and I don't buy that uh, Terry will be there. Like, I think that there's a chance with Jones. I really don't think Terry will be. Um, how do you feel about those guys compared to like a a Kira Lewis? Or I, I think you like RJ Hampton better than them, but that's kind of like my tier here. No, I don't have RJ Hampton above either of these guys. I, I prefer both of these point guards to RJ Hampton. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I thought you were pretty big on Hampton. I'm not. I I don't uh I don't. Okay. I think you were just super duper low on him. Yeah. Like I, I had before this, I had Hampton nineteenth, uh, like behind Poku. So, yeah. And I'm sliding Poku and Hampton down. Pick um, Terry. Uh, you know, this isn't King specific at this point, but just talking big board here, I think that I like Terry and Jones more than Poku or Hampton at this point. I, I think that. It's t- it gets a little bit tough with Terry because it, it it's kind of a similar thing where Poku has this big ceiling. Hampton potentially has a big ceiling. I think Terry has an even bigger ceiling than both of those guys. I, I, I don't think that there's any situation where Poku becomes the engine of an offense. So I that's why I have Terry above, above them. And I really like the 
solid floor of Jones as well. Um, I think, like, in, in a way, he's kind of like a point guard version of Sadiq Bey. That's kind of a, that's a sloppy analogy, but just a guy that, like, has a secure floor and that I, would, I feel really comfortable about being an NBA player in seven years. Yeah, which is fair. Um, hmm. Yeah, okay, so I have Tyrell Terry 18th. I have Kyra Lewis 17, Tyrell Terry, and then RJ Hampton 19. And then I have Trey Jones actually in my early 20s um, because, I mean, this is a ginormous tier for me here where I am struggling so hard, and I think I've said this a couple times, to decide, you know, where do I put – I just – you have a good grading system, but I need to figure out, like, how am I deciding these high floor versus high ceiling guys? Like, I have them in the same tier, so it really depends what team is drafting at the time and what they're looking for. Um, but I like Terry better. I also, you know, put, like, a Josh Green above Trey Jones because hmm, maybe, I don't know, I see why you wouldn't because, obviously, Josh Green's, like, a lower floor guy. But I, I think that the upside of Josh Green being a little bit bigger there, and I also put like a Poku, Jaden McDaniels, Jalen Smith over Trey Jones. I know uh, Jaden's probably a little bit of a hot take, but I think that there is like a j- legitimate decent ceiling for Jaden. Um, so while I have him in the same tier, I do have Trey a good bit lower. But like I said, it really is just going to depend on what team's selecting at this point. Yeah, I just think that there's enough bankable about Trey that that I'm comfortable with them above most of those guys. I, I think a lot of those dudes are rolls of the dice, and they're not particularly safe. Or like, not not even, like, that fun rolls of the dice. Like, you're rolling the dice, and you really can't even win that big, in my personal opinion. Like, Josh Green, I don't know. You really hit the, hit the lottery on Josh Green, and you get a borderline starting player. Um, whereas I'd rather just, you know, play it safe and, like, flip a coin. And, you know, you get a 50% chance to to have a legit backup point guard. And, you know, that's actually probably a good point. And I think that when we're talking about late teens, early 20s, that's probably – I mean, these are teams that are playoff contenders, um, that are in the playoffs. So they're probably going to look for the same thing here. Um, So I I would agree there. And, um, yeah, I I do think that – Hmm. It is going to depend on the team, but I do like like a Poku. And I think Jalen Smith, too. A lot of this just came down to positions. Like, I, I buy what you're saying with Trey Jones. Same thing. I think he could be in the league for a decade and be a backup point guard for that long. But he's six. I mean, like like we said, there's varying heights, but we'll say he's like six one. I don't know. Like, for your Sadiq Bay comp, obviously, that was very loose. I get what you're saying. Um, but, you know, obviously, the big difference being Bay is six eight, and there's just so much more use and value in that size. So I think that while I do believe in Jones to be in the league for a long time, I think the size kind of limits the the value that you're getting from him. Yeah, and that's why I have Bay, like, end of my lottery, 14-15. So, right. and, you know, I, I yeah, like, and I know you've got him, generally speaking, in that range too, or at least for the Kings. I know you've picked him. For the Kings in the mock draft that we we wrote up, you picked him at 12. So, and, and I would certainly never make the argument that Jones should be considered for that. So that's why I've got that space there. Um, right. For me, I ended up with Terry at 18 and Jones at 19. 
I I think that you know in a in a in a vacuum I prefer Terry as a prospect. I will go with that upside. It is so much higher. I'll roll the dice on that like outcome of fifth best player in the draft versus 55th versus just taking straight up the I don't know 30th best player in the draft or 25th or something like that. Right. But it's very close despite them being so completely different. Yeah. Totally fair, and I think that, like I said, I, I think there's a really good chance that Tyrell Terry ends up being the steal of this draft. I, I'm going to keep going on it. I love the fit of Milwaukee, and I think it's going to be really interesting. At some point, we'll probably get a couple other guys on here and do a mock draft, maybe like when we have, say, 35, 40 guys, and we can do a whole first round or something like that, um, and, and that'll probably help me be able to sort my thoughts on where I think these guys go because there's a decent difference between a mock draft and a big board, obviously. You see it in, like, Fasini's pieces and things like that. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Uh, I agree with you, generally speaking, that I bet a team will just take a take a wild, you know, spin on Tyrell Terry. And I just see the appeal. Like, it's kind of like a Jaden McDaniels type of appeal where, you know, even if this guy busts out, he's probably still worth a, a first-round pick. Yeah, definitely. And, um I think that Trey Jones, like we've talked about, is a guy I'd be really interested at 35 there. I think there's a chance you're you're looking at him if you're Sacramento. I don't think either one of these guys get, uh, should get it much thought for Sacramento sitting at 12-13. Um, is there anything else on these guys? And do you have uh, two other names that you maybe want to dive into next time we do this? Um, yeah, I mean, final thoughts on these guys. I would say that, there's a chance that Trey Jones has, like, really found money in that early second round. So especially if you're a bad team and you could just pick up a rotation player in the early second round, that's phenomenal. Obviously, the Kings would be in that group at 35, but I also could see, like, Charlotte or Minnesota ahead of them. Um, even Dallas, like, that's a team that could just use a body, yeah. you know, a rotation. Even Philly, like – all four picks right ahead of them, Dallas, Charlotte, Minnesota, Philly, in that order to start the second. Even if he dips into the second round, I would be worried each time those teams go up to pick that that would be Trey. Um, but, yeah, uh, going ahead here, looking forward, I kind of want to stick with some guards if you're up for it to kind of talk more about the point guards that are in this group, because there are a lot more point guards in this group, and we could use these guys as a launching point to jump into. I think one of them's got to be Grant Riller. I would love to do Riller and uh, Maladon. Let's do it, Maladon. Yeah, Maladon. Okay. Excuse me. I could be saying it wrong. That's just how I read it. Uh, I honestly don't know. It's French. It's French. Yeah, so. yeah. But it's yeah, funny uh, because like I really wanted to do more wings, but I'm like, where are there more wings? There are not that many more wings in this. I mean, there's. Yeah, there's gambles. There's some stretches, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that that works good for me. Riller and, uh, like we said, Maladon, Theo Maladon and Grant Riller. Uh, like you said, Theo Maladon is French and pay, plays for, we'll go with, Asvel. Um, and Grant Riller plays for <laughs> Charleston. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely am uh, good with diving into those guys next time we get to this. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely, and th- that'll be a uh, a really interesting uh, comparison too, because you know there was a big difference between the guys we did today, kind of offensively, defensively, in some senses, and then with these two guys, 
uh, Theo's 18, and Grant Reeler's 23. So, like, it's going to be a very raw product against a very refined uh, four-year college athlete. So, yeah, I, I think that one will be really good. Um, but, yeah, wrapping up here, um, thanks, everyone, for listening, and, and please check out the Kings, uh, excuse me, kingsherald.com. Um, like and subscribe to the podcast if you don't mind we would really appreciate it and uh, there's also a Patreon over on kingsherald.com as well we'd love for you to check out yeah Bryant broke down his thoughts on Precious Achua's fit with the Kings uh, after as a little reaction to Bassini's piece there's great work going up there all the time uh, the 60th pick in last year's draft Sanjesh just dropped a piece on Vanja Marinkovic a name that most of us probably forgot about I'm definitely guilty um, but yeah, if you enjoyed, uh, please like, subscribe, and review. And thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Balls podcast. Hear from us again in the next couple of days.